Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 208 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracu. Do you know what's the best, Jacob? Uh, no, I don't. What is that? Is that there's no more political ad commercials on TV now. Oh, I know. It's so great, isn't it? Like, I don't uh, gotta, I can actually watch TV and not get hit with like 50 political ads every five seconds. It feels so good to not be like, do you know the kind of danger you're in? Well, this person wants you to die. And you're like, what? It's like, oh, thanks, buddy. Like, I, guy, I, never, I don't see but once every two to four years, like, his face is popping up on my screen. I know. Now we just have to work on less, um, car commercials and less pharmaceutical <laughs> commercials like i don't know i would rather my doctor just tell me the sort of medicine i'm supposed to be on and yeah. I, I don't go there and be like what about this medicine if i never have to look at frank thomas and doug flutie's face trying to sell me new genics like i would be a very <laughs> happy guy like i do not have low testosterone i do not need to be hitting getting hit with this commercial i feel really bad about people with psoriasis i feel like that must be a huge i mean it's a terrible thing your skin gets oh, all yeah. messed up but like there's like 10 different drugs for it out there. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. You know what I heard is a fix for uh, psoriasis? Hmm. Is uh, you got to like put olive oil or something on your skin and you got to like wrap it in saran wrap. Like that sounds that. terrible. Who, who sounds has awful. the time to wrap their body in olive oil saran wrap? It sounds awful, but like the, everything about it sounds bad. Like flaky, itchy skin. Like who wants to be dealing with all that? And now we're doing a dang pharmaceutical commercial I talking mean, about it. I mean, we really are. Okay, anyway, and also I want to do a public service announcement. Is that okay? Sure, that's what we're here for. So last week I worked the polls mm -hmm. for Election Day, which, wow, that's a... Is that a, is that a joy of your life right it's a, there? That's a long day is, oh, yeah. is what that is. That's a 16-hour day. But I just want to say, like, people go and you're like, oh, it's slow, and these elderly people don't know what they're doing and this and that. Um, first of all, they work a really long day. Be nice to the oldies. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're really doing quite a bit. But also, you should sign up to do it. Yeah, it's like because, what are you complaining about, Jim? Yeah, no one is is doing it. That's why these poor retirees are, you know, they're taking all the work on for themselves. So I really suggest that people sign up. Then you can see how the whole thing works. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, these guys are working for, like, cheap uh, pizza and maybe, like, a juice box. Someone brought us donuts. That was it. Oh, that I was think nice you one. get a little bit of money, but I don't know. I guess it comes eventually. So anyway. That's horrible, man. Like, that's my that's my public service announcement. Sit around for 16 hours a day having people yell at you about, like, not having your, um, like, having your ID and everything or, like, not having your name on the list or your signatures don't match. Like, ugh. Yeah, they don't really do the signature match thing anymore. They have, like, a new little, I don't know if your polling place had it, but they have, like, an iPad that you search everyone's names, not that big book of signatures. Oh, no, no, no. On the west side, they're st we're still rocking the big book. Yeah. Match well, eventually up. they're moving to the iPad and they didn't teach anyone how to use it. So these poor people were like, what? Of course. And I was like, well, I don't know how to use it, but I know that I'm a little more comfortable around it. So it was wild. Oh, but anyway, good you really should sign up, people. Yeah. Get get out there, everybody. Don't If you're going to complain, you know, at least try it out. That way you know what you're complaining about. And then you will know what bone tired is without actually <laughs> lifting things all day. At yeah. the end of the day, I was like, I am so tired. Um, okay. So let's let's into the here and now. We're let's still in November. Um, and we do like to celebrate with at least one of our November episodes, Native American Heritage Month. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of celebrates the rich histories, the di diverse culture of the indigenous people and communities. 
Um, they have like a new theme every year, and this year's is revitalizing indigenous connections. Okay. So it kind of reflects on how the living bonds of history and culture, um, you know, should be continually honored and maintained and renewed each generation. I think that's the big issue is kind of losing the culture, you know, as they lose the language and the practices and it's just less and less. There's fewer and fewer people. Every year, man, less and less Native Americans running around, less and less pieces of the culture are around. It's it's a tragedy. It really, it really is. is. Yeah. So we um, are going to join in the celebrations by we've sorted through the recent archives of books here and we're going to discuss books that are written by Native American writers mm-hmm. minus one book written by an old white guy, but it's a good book, so I had to throw it in. Well, there might, you might have like some like 120th Choctaw or something running around in his, in his I mean, maybe blood, I, so. I did not check for that, but <laughs> all right, want to just get started? Let's do it. And can I ask you that you correct all of my pronunciations that are wrong? I'll do my best. No guarantees I know what I'm talking about either. <laughs> okay. So. so the first book is one that I'm currently reading. It's called Calling for a Blanket Dance by Oscar Hokey. Um, so this book, it takes us into the life of Ever, that's his name, whose family is part Mexican and part Native American. Okay. And he is determined to hold on to their community despite obstacles everywhere in his life, as you can imagine, a half-Native, half-Mexican person would have. That's uh, that's a big-time two strikes against you right that's, there. It's really tough. So Ever's father, when he's young, he's injured at the hands of these corrupt police on the border. They, like, kick the crap out of him. So, so, so I heard that tale before. Yeah, they sure. go down to Mexico to visit family, and it's really terrible. And then his mom is struggling to keep her job and take care of her husband. Um, and then Ever, when he's young, he's really lost and angry at everything he doesn't understand at the world. Um, and it seems to always be undermining his safety. And then, you know, his relatives have ideas about who he should be. His Cherokee grandmother um, is trying to urge them to come back and live where she is to learn that culture. But his grandfather is also watching traditions slip away, and he's trying to reunite ever with his heritage through dances and stuff with the Kiowa. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, tribe. Um, Yeah, and... Kind of the whole thing is that through it all, everyone wants the same thing. They're trying to remind Ever of this rich and supportive community that surrounds him. Um, But, like, his life's really hard. Reading the book is kind of tough. Like, it's, I'm not going to say that it's uplifting, but it's definitely a great debut novel. I am really enjoying it. I'm hoping by the end they're going to give me, like, just a little poof of hope. I would appreciate. A A little bit. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't hold your breath on that, unfortunately. But I think it's just really authentic. It was funny because I was like, man, what chance would a half Indian, half Mexican person even have? And then I looked at the author and I was like, oh, the author is half Indian, half Mexican, and he is now a writer. It, so I'm feeling better. We, and then like at the end of the book, the uh, the main character is like, I think I'm going to write about my experiences. It's like comes around full circle. Like that, that would be interesting, but I don't think that will be Ever's path in the book. Probably, probably a good idea. It's kind, of a, uh, it's kind of a cheap literary move when you see authors doing that. Yeah. But I definitely recommend calling for a blanket dance. Check it out. All right. See, we're off to an awesome start. I like where you're going with that. (laughs) All right. So um, I'm going to start off with uh, We Are the Middle of Forever, Indigenous Voices from Turtle Island on the Changing Earth by Dar Jamales. Okay. See, everybody's getting complicated names today. Oh, absolutely. These native (laughs) names. (laughs) All right. So uh, this one is an innovative work of research and reportage. Uh, It uh, places Indigenous Voices 
at the center of conversation about today's environmental crisis. Oh, which yeah. Which makes sense because Native Americans have always been, you know, labeled as connected to the earth. And, and they're kind of, of suffering the most <laughs> yeah. from it. Yeah, have you seen like some of the uh, the numerous movies, uh, Wind River, for example, or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure the upcoming sequel to that's going to be crazy about that. Um, this book draws from interviews from people from different um, indigenous cultures and communities, and they share their generations and geographical regions, their knowledge, their experiences throughout their life. They have their questions, observations, and th- their dreams of like kind of keep the best life in like an ever changing environment as it was. It seems like it's going to be an interesting book because, like you mentioned with the first book, it's kind of a bleak situation all around for yeah. Native Americans. So, I, I don't, I don't like necessarily suggesting these books because, like I said, it always kind of comes across as we're all going to die soon or well, this is dying just, out. But you can't fix anything if you're not aware of the problem. That's true. Like you don't. It's that old saying: you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. you kind of got to face these ideas. Um, but it's it's always good to get like a. I don't want to say, like, people that actually are from that area. That's the wrong way to put it. But just, like, you know, people that that's their homeland. Is... Who are you still using that land and are really noticing the changes that are affecting exactly. it's their like, health. Yeah, it's like they're telling you exactly what's going on in their life, what's, like, affecting it. And now we have a better idea from their own point of view. So, you know, go check it out, everyone. Yeah. Okay. So this is my book. This is the one not written by an Indian, but it is called In the Spirit of Crazy Horse. The story of Leonard Peltier and the FBI's war on the American Indian movement. This is by Peter Matheson. He's a really excellent author. Um, this book so far is is really good because, you know, sometimes nonfiction history accounts can be really dry and they're hard to get into. Oh, yeah. That's uh, basically what they make all their money on. I'm not feeling that with this book. So far, it's really awesome. So what it is, we've got a hot morning, okay? It's June 1975. Like there is a desperate shootout between FBI agents and Native Americans near Wounded Knee, South Dakota, that left an Indian and two federal agents dead. All right, it's okay, it's a good setup. Well, it's real life. <laughs> so oh, well, then, there you go. It's, it's a real story. So four members of the American Indian movement were indicted on murder charges, and one of them, Leonard Peltier, was convicted and is now serving consecutive life sentences in a federal penitentiary. So behind this violent chain of events lies issues of really great complexity and profound historical resonance, which is um, kind of explained in this book, which was a very controversial book. It was actually kept off shelves for eight years after it was written because of one of the most protracted and bitterly fought legal cases in publishing history. Ooh, um, that's like interesting. They did not want this book and this story getting out. So it reveals the Lakota tribe's long struggle with the U.S. government, and it makes it clear why the traditional Indian concept of the earth is so important at a time when, you know, increasing populations are destroying the precious resources, which you just mentioned. So yeah, this book is, I think, as I continue, I'm early on and it is going to be a pretty wild ride. But like I said, banned for eight years. Banned for eight years. Any kind of you, anytime I hear about any book being banned, you're like, I need, my this. I need this book. So yeah, in the spirit of Crazy Horse, check that one out. People do not like Crazy Horse, man. That dude still is getting, he's got a bad rap even to this day. I know. He's like, I'm not even around. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I've been gone for a little bit, while, a little while, guys. Like, why don't you like, uh, why not sitting? Let it lie. Yeah. Like, why am I always the one catching all the heat around here? All right, what else? 
All right, so the next one I got here is Sacred Smokes by Theodore Van Alst Jr. That is a long, long last name. <laughs> uh, so it's an autobiographical collection of linked short stories. Um, you know, one of them is uh, Teenage Teddy is a member of a Chicago street gang in the 70s. Uh, he, t- he knows the city like the back of his hand, but the book takes a trip to the unexplored parts of Indian country in the area. Um, and then basically it just jumps into a bunch of different stories as this guy's going from place to place to place mm-hmm. that he's just getting all these different tales of people that he meets along the way in Indian country to kind of get, again, an idea of what their life is like, some stuff that they're seeing, legends that they have. I did notice in the research for this, I don't know if you noticed as well, a lot of these books are like collections of short stories, so it's hard to do a synopsis for them necessarily. Sure, sure. I actually, I have the next one I'll mention then is also a short story collection. Yeah, so it's interesting to see. Um, I When I was a kid, I remember we used to like read these like books of uh, Native American legends and stuff, and mm-hmm. they would all be kind of grouped together. So it's not su- necessarily surprising that they do so many of these short story kind of groupings. Okay. So... I'm always a fan when they get these like first person walking through the. I'm, I like anthology movies, for instance, like you know, Creep Show and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I always feel like short story books, if they have like a framing device wrapped around it, are just basically the same thing. So I'm always all about going to check them out. So I don't read enough short stories, and then when I do, I'm like, I really love this. Why do I kind of shy away from it normally? Yeah. Sometimes when you like you jump into something you've kind of avoided for a while, you're like, why did I not? Do and it's this? fascinating. You're like, that felt like a complete story. Yeah. And it was like a. Only a few pages long. Yeah. Or like it, whatever you get hit with one, you're like, that's incredible. It's only a six pages and yeah. I actually got a whole tale. Like that's impressive. Like, Well, but- so then I'll just mention also there's one called Sinking Bell, which is also a collection of stories by Bojan Lewis. Um, and this is all about like Navajo life. It takes place um, all in and around Flagstaff. And like, you know, same thing. It's the collisions of love and culture and racism um, and just pictures of everyday people, laborers, metalheads, motel managers, all of that. And, you know, I think it kind of all connects in the end of their stories are all similar but different. It's like, you know, stories of being with family, of abandoned families, and just the cycles of life. So that one sounds pretty good, too. Yeah. Oh, I was watching, because uh, it's Halloween, it's October, I was watching Creep Show 2 the other day. You and your Creep Show. And, uh, man, I forgot how like not good that second movie is like that first story with like the guys on like the reservation and I just I felt embarrassed listening to some of these guys and watching these people act I'm like gosh you guys I don't think I've ever seen that you never seen the second one oh I don't really know if I saw creep show what oh my god I'm gonna have to scream at you yeah there's the one actor is like oh don't I have the best hair ever like (laughs) this hair is gonna make me a superstar that sounds like you when you had your long hair though well because it was true for me you see (laughs) And then I didn't go around shooting, George, killing George Kennedy and his wife like immediately after that. So, <laughs> not that I didn't think about it. I mean, oh. I, we all saw Naked Gun, and you're like, oh, you're infuriating me with this performance. There goes Jacob. Jacob on a tangent. It's oh, right. I'm got actually old Chief Woodenhead running. I'm around. gonna go on a tangent. Oh, I'm super pumped this weekend to watch the new Weird Al movie. I'm dying to see that. I dude. just want you to know, I went and saw him in concert like two weeks ago, and it was the best. I always am like. I don't know if Weird Al concerts are going to be good. That's why I have They're never gone. They're so good. And at first, I like bought tickets. And I was like, oh, super pumped. Love some Weird Al. Like, very nostalgic. And then I found out it was, um, he wasn't doing any of the cover songs. He's not doing any parodies. Oh. He was just doing his songs. Well, he's got enough of them at this point. And I was like, oh, I'm not really familiar with those. I wonder if I'll enjoy the show as much. 100%. It was still, it's great. Like, not is he so funny, but like his talent, like, 
we act like he's more goofy than talented, but this guy's wicked talented. The guy graduated from college at like 15 years old with an architecture degree or I something. I mean, it's every song he'll be like, and now this song is like when I was into the kinks. And it sounds exactly like a kinks song, but it's funny. And then he's like, and then I love Talking Heads. And then you're like, that's the most Talking Heads song I ever heard, not written by the Talking Heads. And he has like so many genres. All of a sudden he'll start a song and I was like, oh, his Black Sabbath phase. So it's really fascinating that he's like mastered so many different styles. I'm a little surprised that that's like a straight to streaming movie. Like I thought, I don't know why they didn't put that in theaters. I was waiting to go see it in theaters too. Yeah, it seems like it could have get a quick little... What what the, the thing is that on? It's it's the Roku channel, Ugh. so you can actually just get that. Um, if you have a Roku device, it's a free channel. Otherwise, you can get the Roku on your phone, and then you can just like stream that to your TV or mirror it or whatever oh. you do to fancily play things on your phone on your TV. Uh, anyway, I just had to say that. This is all connected because I can approve that uh, Native Americans love Weird Al. Big, Wait, is that a thing? Big big fan of uh, Amish Paradise. It's a big, it, it really catches us. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> love Amish Paradise? Okay, I guess I will now go back to the book. So we have to mention Louise Erdrich is probably one of the most famous Indian writers, and um, we're talking about the book The Night Watchman. This book is actually based on the life of Louis Erdrich's grandfather, who worked as a night watchman um, and carried the fight against native dispossession from rural North Dakota all the way to Washington, D.C. So she kind of took his story and now made like a fictional account of it. Okay. So in this book, we have Thomas, who's the night watchman at the Jewel Bearing Plant. It's the first factory located near the Turtle Mountain Reservation in rural, uh, rural North Dakota and is a Chippewa council member who's trying to understand the consequences of a new emancipation bill um, on its Quote, way to unquote. the floor in Congress. And it's 1953, and he and the other council members know that the bill is not about freedom. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Congress is really fed up with Indians, and the bill is kind of a termination that threatens the rights of the natives and their land and their identity, which is what happened <laughs> throughout yeah, time. Spo- spoiler alert. And then there's another character who's just graduating high school, Pixie, um, and unlike most of the other girls on the reservation, um, she's a class valedictorian. Victorian. She has no desire to wear herself down with husband and kids. Um, and then she makes jewels um, at the plant, um, a job that barely pays her enough money, of course. And she has an alcoholic father that she returns home to. Um, and it's her trying to take care of her sister and really her struggle. And so we're kind of getting the, the dual stories of these two people. Um, there's a lot of other really memorable characters in the book, and it's just illuminating these lives that have kind of gone unknown. Mm-hmm. If you, especially if you're not reading um, books by indigenous people and their their desires, their ambitions, um, and their struggles. And yeah, I mean, Lewis Erdrich is like a National Book Award winning author. She can really do no wrong. So she's got a bunch of books out there, but I think that this is a good place to start. 
ah, I like where your brain's at there. I hate that all of these books are always so like depressing. Like it, it just stinks that like that's the whole culture at this point. Is just I mean depression that part? And that part does stink. But you're like, we have a lot of sad stories. I mean, there are like joyful stories that you can find. This is my own fault because these are the books I'm drawn to. Well, I, I can't feel like help they're, it. They're you the guys. ones that kind of like people sort of push. You know, it's kind of what you get is like, you know, the dark and depressing stories. Yeah, but if they're well written, I think it's not it's not just like depression that stands out in the book. You're not like only noticing sadness. You're yeah. definitely noticing a lot more. It's That's worth true. checking out. Yeah. Well, now for something completely different. You got want to no, want to hear about a story about a, a bunch of short stories about the Native American community wrestling with addiction and depression and such? Oh man. What, I, are, what are we doing here today? What are we doing to listeners? You guys, we're sorry. We're these sorry, are, man. These are like, good books. <laughs> it's one of all a woman leaving her husband to take her long, her young son to the uh, Penabas Indian Reservation in Maine. That's one of our stories involved here. That's What's the name of this book? So this one is Night of the Living Res, which I- Dope title. Yeah, it's a great title by Morgan <laughs> Talty. Obviously, I thought it was going to be something different than what it was. I love the idea for some stupid B-movie reason of like- Zombie Indians running around. I like, mean, one hundred percent. I can't believe that hasn't been done yet. To be honest with you, uh, ooh, mm, I think I, I think we just wrote our first like. We've written so many movies while sitting in these chairs. <laughs> we're we're going to write them one of these days. You guys yeah. be like, it's going to be like everybody's going to be sitting at home and listening to this podcast. It's going to be like DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's going to come on. And if be like, people knew you wrote a movie, they would be horrified. Horrified, but curious. <laughs> yeah, true. So, uh, yeah, Night of the Living Res. Uh, it's a riveting uh, collection about what it means to be in the Penobscot. Oh, my God, I feel bad because I'm, I'm murdering It's okay. Uh, in the 21st century and what it means to live, survive, and persevere after tragedy. The title basically meaning, like, how do you come back to life after something really terrible happens sure. to you or around you? It's a very good question, and I guess genocide of your entire culture kind of counts as... It's a- That'll, that'll bring so, you right something down. Something bad happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Morgan Talty um, made up a nice little collection of short stories about the people in around and what it means to them. Picked a great title, like as we already mentioned, like loving that thing. So, you know, go check it out. Get another another view of more of what it's like to be in the Native American community and why, A, you don't want to be in it, and B, why we need to do something to help some of these people because they're in a rough spot for, yeah. for sure. I don't even want to like... <laughs> read my other books because I'm like now all I can think about is that they're downers but you know it's winter don't you want to read sad books in the winter I feel like that's a thing yeah it's you get, you sit underneath the blankets and just kind of like sit depressed listening to the wind blow <laughs> that actually sounds very relaxing you're sitting under some blankets and I mean like... I'll be I'll be reading them all so the next book is The Peacekeeper this is actually going to be in a series so this is number one by B.L. Blanchard okay um, the premise is cool it's North America was never Never colonized. Oh, so I like the, where this is going. The United States and Canada don't exist, um, and the Great Lakes are surrounded by an independent Ojibwe nation. Um, and in this one village, a peacekeeper is now confronting his devastating past. Okay, I can't help it. There's a devastating past. Of course, there is. So, 20 years ago to the day, Chibenashi's mother was murdered, and his father confessed to it. Bummer. And ever since, he's been caring for his still traumatized younger sister, which is a bummer. So now on the same night as the Menomen harvest, another woman is slain, his mother's best friend. So this leads to a seemingly impossible connection that takes Chimbanshi far away from the only world that he's ever known because now he's got to figure out a mystery. 
Who doesn't like that? Oh, I, I know. I like figuring out mysteries. Right? So he is about to discover in this book that everything about his and his sister's lies, lives has been a lie. Dun, dun, dun. And I think it's going to be cool that it's a series, so it's going to leave you kind of wanting more. Yeah. So this is like more of a thriller kind of crime book than we're getting too deep and sad. Well, that's good. And I, hopefully the person's got all the like the whole story written out and they know where they're going with it. Like they're not grasping or figuring out as they go. Yeah, those people really bum me out. I'm talking about you, Patrick Rothfuss. I'm not even talking about George. George You're is never, never going to finish. But That's what those two have in common. Neither of them is ever going to finish that last book. Why? It's never going to happen. Oh, it breaks my heart. Just Patrick be happy. Rothfuss, it breaks my heart. Just be happy they never made that uh, that Name of the Wind uh, TV series for Showtime. Because I that am. Been then they would have ended it. Without the real ending, which well, we all know how that goes. I think Sasha Baron Cohen uh, being the star and it being a musical would have killed it a lot more. What? That was the that was where they were going with it. Stop it. I'm serious. That was Sasha Baron Cohen was cast as the lead and they were gonna have a lot of music in it and that was gonna be their that's why Showtime was like, uh no. Um Dad, are you listening to this? Do you hear what he's saying? They were going to do that to the name of the wind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were like, they were starting to do the pilot, and they're like, ah, it ain't working. And um, they just pulled the plug on him right away. And that's why you haven't heard anything about it since. I'm shook right now. That is terrible. Yeah, they were like, oh, because all the all the spells and stuff are all sing-songy. So if we have him sing them, that's going to add to the Oh, my gosh. The okay, movie. sorry, you guys. Sorry for that distraction. Do you want to do one more book? We'll save that for our fantasy episode. Um, yeah, Come on, do it. You, you must have a real funny, like. I got nothing funny. <laughs> I got nothing funny. I'll, I can go a little bit less depressing in okay. terms of real life. Thank uh, you. Man Made Monsters by Andrea Rogers. Okay. So she's we got a YA author here. So okay. That's always good. Uh, she's she's a Cherokee writer who's um, like making her debut novel. She's taking her place as the striking voices of the horror renaissance that's coming. Oh, we like a good horror. Yeah. Uh, so. Big shock here. It's a collection of short stories. Okay. Who saw that coming? But it's also, it's like a book of, um, like, from everything from vampires, zombies. They got some werewolves running around there. If it was a Native American book, I'm sure there's a Wendigo kicking around. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a deer woman somewhere <laughs> in this. Um, so basically, all, it's a story about all of these, like, monsters and creatures. They often kind of, like, live off of human blood. But sometimes it just kind of revolves around the life of this 16-year-old girl who's kind of like the center of all of these stories. She's having to deal with all of these like creatures and supernatural vibes that's going on mm-hmm. and just all these different stories about dealing with all these different creatures that's going throughout life and then the rest. Like, it's kind of a cool little idea for for a book there. Like, I don't really understand how... All, like, we have to read the book, obviously, to know what's going on with it, but... Like anytime you get a collection of all interconnected, um, like monster kind of stories, I'm always curious how that's going to go. Sure, because just it's just some, not something you see. Like a lot of the time with the short story collections, they're not so mu- they're more like self-contained. So if there's going to be ones that are kind of bleeding into each other with like a constant th- um, thread, I love it. Kind of like that idea. So you know, it's wanna... still close to October. Maybe you're not done with your horror books. This yeah. is a perfect way to celebrate both months. Plus, why not support a new YA author? Like, there's not a lot of, there's not as many of them as there should be, and there's definitely um, not as many Native American ones. As someone who orders books, I'm going to disagree with you, but the Native part is correct. But there's well, plenty of YA prob- authors. Perhaps a YA book that is not 
I am uh, Christine, and I love Mark and Justin, and I can't decide. Hey which man, is don't be. knock a genre just because you don't like but, it. But wait a minute, you're a grown man. There's an apocalypse going on at the same time, and I'm the only one who can stop it. I so, mean, because that's how teenagers feel. It's all because Jacob, of this. Jacob, let them have their light. There's this. But wait, there's also this original tale about this corrupt government and this evil president. That's you're going, just doing <laughs> Hunger Games. Just be done and plug all, us up, would you all, please? All books are Hunger Games. <laughs> Uh, so if you are looking to get more about Native American culture, history, or get some of these short stories of yourself, you know where's a good place to go? Your local library. We got 37 branches all throughout Erie County, so stop on by and check it out. And don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org and see what kind of books and themes we got going on uh, in case you get stuck in the house with another blizzard that's coming your way. Oh boy, so did you know that Native Americans cultivated many of the world's most important crops? So in 2016, they um, did a study and it was estimated that as much as 60% of the global food supply was based on crops that originated in North America. So corn was created by indigenous farmers in southern Mexico and Guatemala like about 10,000 years ago. They're like they're just sitting around with their beakers figuring (laughs) out how to do um, like plant stuff. And by the time European colonists arrived in North America, Native Americans have been growing it for thousands of years. Um, They also cultivated beans, squash, potatoes, and tomatoes. So thanks, guys. We owe you for that one. Um, Thumbs up, dudes. Native Americans spoke more than 300 languages. That's a Isn't lot, that man. Isn't crazy in one country? I'm struggling with one at this point. I mean, it's 300, and they think it could have been as many as 500 across the whole continent. So, um, sadly, many of these languages have disappeared as a result of assimilation policies by the government. In 1868, um, President Grant declared, In the difference of language today lies two-thirds of our trouble. Their barbarous dialect should be blotted out and the English language substituted. So that's really sad. And now, according to the U.S. Census Bureau from 2013, there are now only 169 native languages spoken in the U.S., and many of them have a very, very small number of speakers. We're going to need those guys. That's part of the way we won World War II was having random Native American languages to do with codes. We're going to need those again when the aliens invade. There you go. And last one, we owe a lot of things to Native innovation. So a lot of things we take for granted, not just corn, but we got rubber, kayaks, um, the whole way of modern-day farming came from natives, and even mouthwash. Mm. Come on. Mouthwash, huh? That that's is, another, there's I, a lot that's, of things that I you find. I did not expect that one. Well, there you go. So, okay, well, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of Native American History Month, and we will catch you next time. Bye.